I am so very excited tonight to present Dr. Regina Blevins. Dr. Blevins has been in private practice since 1991 and has treated nearly 10,000 Invisalign clear patients, clear liner patients. Her specialties in this area include, but are not limited to phase one treatments, which she actually was very instrumental in developing the protocols for this, and teens. She is also well-versed in Invisalign with mandibular advancement of teeth. When out of the office, Dr. Blevins enjoys living an active lifestyle and spending time with her husband, Tom, and their four children, Noah, Rachel, Lucy, and Will. As a family, they enjoy doing yoga, Taekwondo, and by the way, Dr. Blevins is a black belt, and they spend time in their backyard cooking, gardening, and relaxing. Dr. Blevins is an active member in our community and enjoys giving back to those who bring her so much happiness. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dr. Regina Blevins. Hi, I'm so excited and honored to be asked to um, present at this meeting. What I'm gonna be uh, speaking with you about today is how to maximize your success when you're treating growing patients with Invisalign uh, clear aligners. A little housekeeping before we get started. Um, I would like to uh, disclose that I am an independent consultant for Align Technology, and I do get paid for giving lectures for the Align Technology Company. Um, however, what you're gonna hear today are my views and my recommendations. Um, and just like anything else, uh, what you do with them are your responsibility. Uh, I also, out of privacy and courtesy, ask that if you screen snip any of the uh, information or patient images, please do so only for your own personal educational use. My passion for treating growing patients with aligners really started well over 30 years ago. And that is me as a dental hygienist. And I really did practice in the white hat and the white uniform. Um, but my story really uh, has a heart in treating um, for oral hygiene uh, children when they were just learning how to brush and floss their teeth. When they were about eight or nine years old, I would have that kind of relationship with them. And then fast forward a year, year and a half, and they would come in with fixed appliances on and I would see gingivitis, I would see plaque accumulation. It would even see sometimes decalcification in caries. So fast forward now being an orthodontist, treating older teens and adults with Invisalign, it certainly uh, started being uh, very much in my consciousness that why couldn't I treat these growing patients with this same sort of comfortable hygienic appliance that I was using on my older patients? Um, so really it required me to sort of change the whole dogma of the way I was thinking. And now I'm, uh, as, as you've invited me here today, a speaker teaching other orthodontists the techniques and tips that I've learned on how to do this. Um, aside from today's presentation, uh, I do have a couple white papers out that uh, kind of outline my philosophy and give examples of uh, treating patients that are this age group with clear aligners. 
first of all, when you're going to approach a growing patient and do a treatment, you have to have very clear defined goals. When we're doing early intervention, typically what I'm focusing on is, can I intercept a problem that's developing and prevent something worse from happening? Can I prevent some um, unfavorable growth of the face or the jaws? And certainly one of the major issues is, can I get enough dental alveolar expansion to allow for erupting teeth? I'm going to start with this first case. Sitara is a nine-year-old female that came into the office referred by her family dentist for uh, protruding of her teeth. On our extra oral photos, you can see, uh, looking at her maxillary midline, that it's quite far shifted to the right. And when you look inside at her intraoral photos, you can see that her maxillary right canine is blocked out of the arch, as well as her mandibular left canine, um, contributing to this very um, asymmetric and large discrepancy in her midlines. On uh, radiographic inspection, you can see the maxillary trapped canine and the mandibular trapped canine, as well as the large protrusion that she has uh, on her maxillary teeth. But what we also can appreciate is that skeletally, she's fairly class one. So looking at this, that is one of the criteria that I look at when I'm selecting a patient for uh, phase one treatment with Invisalign is it's not a severe skeletal problem. This is something I would consider a mild to moderate crowding case. For our diagnosis with the Sitara, we have someone in the middle mixed dentition she has a class two dental relationship. Her arches are a little narrow and she has that large overjet as well as an impinging deep bite. And really our focus is going to be alleviating the severe crowding that she has that's preventing the canine eruption. And this slide I'm gonna show you for all the cases that I present to you today. And I like to think of this as my recipe card where clinical goals are often the same. And then the strategies can vary depending on how I want to customize my recipe for who's coming to dinner. So think about it like my basic lasagna recipe and am I gonna add uh, spicy peppers or uh, different herbs depending on who's, who's coming to dinner. So our goals here are going to be dental alveolar arch development, how we can enhance her smile, work on improving her overbite and overjet, and certainly opening up the space for the trapped canines. The strategies that we're gonna use in her particular case are going to be Invisalign first, uh, clear aligners. And one of the things that I'm going to need to do in particular for her case is to guard against moving the maxillary lateral roots distal. Just like you would with a fixed case, 
you want to maintain some mesial root tip on the lateral incisors. And just like you might offset your bracket a slight bit to do that, I'm going to make sure that I put an attachment on those teeth to control the roots. I'm going to utilize simultaneous expansion. Now Invisalign first default protocol is maxillary or a molar move first expansion. I prefer simultaneous expansion in most cases for the simple reason that I want the families to see as much change in the anteriors to help keep them psychologically motivated uh, as I can. I typically reserve molar move first when I have like a unilateral crossbite that I'm trying to correct. So the other thing I'm gonna utilize in this case are anterior bite ramps to help in leveling the curve of speed and correcting the deep bite. And of course, it's going to be a two-phase treatment uh, and I plan on using Invisalign's for phase two. So here is the um, ClinCheck treatment plan that I developed for her phase one. And as you can see, I'm moving the maxillary anteriors to the left, the mandibular anteriors to the right, the arches expanding. I'm using molar distalization with slight rotation. Same on this side with a little bit less molar rotation. And I like the idea and the ability to control just how much I can rotate each maxillary molar. On this view, you can see the anterior bite rams and you can appreciate the arch expansion. I do typically over-engineer a bit the expansion. How much? Well, if I want uh, three millimeters of expansion, I'll typically go for four or five. One of the things that I like to do is put these arches on a grid and I like to put the superimposition tool on as well. And I count the squares to see how much uh, I'm actually going to uh, ask the aligner to expand. I'm quite comfortable going for an actual expansion of four to six millimeters. So in a case that I wanted six millimeters, I might actually plan in about eight. So let's take a look at her progress photos at seven months. As you can see on her extra oral uh, photos, her midlines are starting to line up. And looking at the intraoral photos, you can see the space developing for uh, the maxillary right uh, canine and the mandibular left. The other thing you can see is the broadening of the arch form, the reduction in the deep bite, and overall very nice eruption of the bicuspids into the dental alveolar arch that we've created. And now you hold for phase two. So often I'm asked, what do you do when a primary tooth exfoliates in the middle of your phase one treatment? I don't do anything. As long as the uh, aligner fits well, I ignore it because the primary tooth uh, that was captured in the aligner works very well for being an eruption well 
for the new tooth coming in. So to give you a peek at how she's doing in her phase two, here are some phase two progress photos. And it's interesting to note how broad uh, her arch form is. And it's also nice to note that her second molars have not been trapped and her canines have erupted in nicely. So here is one tip that I can give you uh, on these youngsters when they come with a large diastema. I don't typically do IPR in growing patients like this, but I do add IPR in their plan. Whenever I want a contact to be tightened and I wanna make sure that I don't have a residual space when I'm done, I will add in what I call fake IPR. It's simply IPR uh, that will make the, the aligner tighten, but it doesn't, I don't actually perform it. The only thing I caution you about uh, doing that with is to make sure that the chart is clearly marked that that is contact plusing and not actual IPR that you will perform. The other two keys for this type of treatment is one, remembering that you want to create space uh, around existing primary canines. So typically in the um, Invisalign comprehensive package, the default is to close spaces. In Invisalign first, it is to leave spaces around the primary canines and just realize that you can adjust that space. For example, if it clincheck came back and it was 0.2 millimeters of space and I thought I needed five uh, on either side, you can simply adjust that in the green boxes. The other issue with these erupting lateral incisors or uh, laterals that aren't fully in, they're not typically uh, enough enamel exposed to put like a um, mesial distal attachment uh, for a root control attachment or a large sash attachment like my friend Jonathan Nicozizis uses. Those two kind of attachments are very effective, but often we don't have enough um, enamel surface erupted to use those. So I will typically put the um, extrusion type uh, attachment uh, that you see here in this photo. It's just a horizontal uh, beveled towards the gingival uh, attachment. And that's usually adequate to control the uh, root tip on those laterals and also uh, prevent some of that relative uh, intrusion that you get when you procline those teeth. And then what do you do for retention? That's often a question. Um, there's a, a variety of things that I use. I still, if I have a severe deep bite, uh, will use a holly with a bite plate. I also use a vacuform retainer uh, that I uh, carve out the bicuspid area so it maintains the palatal width and holds the incisors. Um, also, knowing that I have 18 months that I can order aligners, if I still have a little arch development that I want to do or some cosmetic finessing that I want to do on the anteriors, I will simply order some more additional aligners. I do change the wear protocol, however. 
I'll slow movement down and maybe only order 10 or 12 aligners, but I have the patient wear each one at night for say one month. And that way um, you have them wearing something they're quite familiar with already. And you can make some very fine, uh, fine movements uh, during retention. But all three of these things work depending on what your goals are during that retention period. One stumbling block when I first started doing um, phase one aligner treatments was how to do the simulations. The actual software for the simulations is built on adult teeth software. So I found it uh, kind of, um, how do I wanna say this, cumbersome to use the software for a phase one. But I decided that since I knew how to change the numbers on the teeth and whatnot, I could manipulate it and still do a simulation. The hard part was trying to get the screen to recognize my finger and do all those movements on the screen. So I, I realized that I could use a mouse with my scanner. So I simply got a wireless mouse, put the, um, uh, USB fob in the back, ordered a small little table off of Amazon that clips onto uh, the, the scanner, made my life so much easier. So now it's quite simple for me to do um, simulations on the scanner. The first thing that I always show the families are the occlusal grams. And the analogy that I use with these is that it's like a weather map. And whenever you see red, it's something that we should pay attention to. So in this particular case, I would point out that they're biting into the roof of their mouth and that um, the, the red marks are heavy bite areas. The next thing that I do after the occlusalgram is generate the uh, simulation by clicking the Invisalign Outcome Simulator tab. And in this particular case, we're gonna show the family how we're going to get the midlines lined up and make space for the erupting canines. So once you start the simulation, you will get this box. And this is key to these simulations. When this box comes up, simply click in the box and Turn on the numbers in the um, menu bar at the top. So now all the teeth will be uh, numbered. And what you'll notice most of the time when you do this is that the teeth are numbered incorrectly and that will cause an incorrect simulation. So if you simply on this axis line do a right click, you will get another box that allows you to change the number on the teeth. So this tooth should be number, number three. And so you just click the up arrow and it will change that. The other thing I, I do, because I don't do uh, IPR on growing children, I click, uh, uh, unclick the allow IPR box and that's under treatment goals. So this is pretty good. It does show that the midlines are lined up better now but it doesn't show that there's space for the erupting teeth. And you can really turn this into um, kind of a wow uh, experience for the kids by showing them how you can manipulate this. 
So you click on adjust outcome and then you get the spacing and IPR dots. So on a, a green dot, you can add space. So you simply click on that. Now, if you've forgotten to turn the IPR off, you can also turn that off at this point as well. So once you click on the green dot, you'll get a box and you simply can use your mouse wheel up and down here uh, and, and increase this number and make it the amount of space that you want. And I will often let the child do that. I'll say, this is the video game that I like to play. And um, I'm gonna let you change your teeth. So let's click on the box here. Now make that number bigger and see how you're getting room for your teeth now. Um, so it's a really nice way to build rapport and kind of make this technology both relatable and fun for the families. Let's take a peek at Isabella now. Uh, she's another uh, patient that needed some expansion. And in her particular case, she was a second opinion uh, at my practice, and it was recommended for her to get her primary canines extracted and to have a fixed RPE. The family had heard through uh, friends that uh, often uh, at my practice, uh, you could avoid those things and that I would only do that if it was absolutely necessary. So here you can see from her extra oral photos, she's not the greatest brusher. You can already see gingivitis happening around the maxillary anterior gum line. So it's certainly not somebody that I wanna put a, uh, more of a barrier in front of uh, that's gonna make it even harder for her to brush and floss her teeth. And you can appreciate on her Panorex how she does have some space and crowding issues. So in this kiddo, we've got a middle mix dentition. She's got a class two dental um, relationship. Her arches are narrow. She's got the extra overjet. And again, the deep bite and the crowding. My basic recipe is the same. We're going to do some dental alveolar development. We're going to enhance her smile, improve that overbite and overjet and try to get a molar class one relationship. The strategies in her case as well, we're going to do root control attachments on the maxillary laterals. I'm gonna utilize simultaneous expansion. And in her particular case, maybe even a little more of the maxillary molar rotation for the class two correction. I'm anticipating that it will take uh, at least 36 months or so between a phase one and a phase two. So let's look at her phase one treatment plan. You can see the expansion happening. You can see the lateral uh, incisor rotating, but maintaining its distal root tip. Um, we've got some proclination and we're making space for the eruption of the canines. Same on this side, a little maxillary molar rotation, um, making space for the erupting canines. And here you can see the artol developing at once, our lateral incisor turning. 
and the same on the lower arch. So let's take a look at her at her 12 months. You can see she's uh, got a broader arch form. You can see the canines are starting to drop in now and the bicuspids. And when you compare the upper and lower arch, you can see the broadening. And again, putting it on the grid with uh, the millimeter measurements, you can see uh, that I uh, have more widening in the mid arch and not very much in the molars. So I like the uh, ability to target where my expansion is. And in her case, I wanted to broaden the mid arch. Another thing that I always like to do is look at what I actually achieved and compared it to what I actually requested. And it's interesting to see how well the uh, digital plan that you requested mimics what you actually got. And I like to do that on both the upper and lower arches. And now we hold for phase two. Here are some photos of her phase two in progress. One of the things that I'd like to point out to you here is how well the aligners hold like a um, lower lingual holding arch or the proteins that you use and you carve out the bicuspids. Either of those things will act as a nice lower lingual holding arch. And I typically will favor those two options over the Holly retainer for one simple reason, the child already is used to the mouth feel of that kind of an appliance over uh, the difference with the holly with the wire and the clasps. And you can see uh, the eruption of her teeth and the uh, nice uh, growth that we've had. And her supplementary numbers all are looking quite nice. Here's one case uh, that I really uh, had fun with. This is Liliana, and she's barely, when I started her, eight years old. And you'll see in a moment uh, why I didn't want to wait at all on her. Um, when she smiles, you can see uh, that she's kind of uh, crowded on the bottom for sure. But when you look inside and have her put her teeth together, you can see she's got this um, really interesting um, uh, anterior crossbite. So she's got her one lateral uh, incisor on the lower right, kind of trapped lingual. And then she's pushed out her other lower incisors and really has some, uh, almost turned her upper anteriors into a div two. You can um, also see on her x-ray here in her CEF that she has that underbite. And one of the things that I really wanna guard against is her dam doing any damage to her anterior teeth. And I certainly don't want her posturing forward to create any excessive growth on her mandible. 
from all the tension. One of the key things for her treatment though, is that she has a COCR shift. So that is another selection criteria that I use for these uh, anterior crossbite patients is that I want to be able to get them end to end. If I can get them end to end, I'm confident that I can treat them. If they don't have a shift and they have uh, the negative overjet, then that's a red flag that this might be more of a skeletal case uh, than I want to do with clear aligners. But here we have, and, and after measuring her, I, I thought she was a class one skeletal uh, with a class three dental, uh, exacerbated by that anterior shift. She's biting deep and she has crowding. Our clinical goals are a little different in this case because instead of correcting an overjet, we're correcting an underbite. Uh, but other than that, we're still trying to develop the arch and get her into a class one. Our strategies are really very much the same. I still need to control my lateral incisors. I wanna do some simultaneous expansion, but I'm gonna add something a little special in her case. I'm going to use occlusal and lingual attachments to open her bite so that her front teeth on the top can jump over. And again, we'll have a phase two. Now, one of the things that happens with these multi-stage uh, treatments is that um, sometimes at the end of my phase one, uh, while I'm waiting for phase two, they turn out so nice that the families don't necessarily want a phase two. Now, in my estimation, they're not finished. I haven't detailed the occlusion. I haven't finished clothing, closing in, um, posterior spaces. I haven't ensured that the second molars are in and are in correct position. So I've taken the philosophy with my families now to tell them that they're having a multi-phase treatment right from the get-go and that it's going to be uh, three different phases. They're going to have a phase one that's orthopedic goals. That's expansion, jumping crossbites, um, uh, making room for erupting teeth. Then there's going to be a transitional phase where we're guiding teeth in and we're watching for any teeth that don't come in to the arch form correctly. Now, sometimes we may intervene and do a little bit of active treatment during that time, but most of the time we're watching and just guarding against those things. Then they have a formal phase two that is orthodontic goals that may last from uh, six months to 18 months, depending on what's left to do. And I go ahead and charge for the full treatment up front. In my area here, a phase one, phase two, uh, typically goes anywhere from uh, 6,000 to $6,800. And I go ahead and let the family know that's what the charge is. The really nice thing for the family is they have that whole uh, 48 months and a much lower payment during that time. Uh, and a lot of times the family um, can afford the monthly payment and that's really what they're focused on. And in typically during that phase one, we have a 30 minute delivery appointment 
And then we may have anywhere from two to three uh, in-office fit assessments. Now, during COVID, what we found out is that a lot of these uh, uh, fit assessment appointments can be done successfully virtually. Um, another thing that we uh, uh, implemented is after the delivery appointment, we do a one-week uh, follow-up appointment virtually with our families. Uh, one, they feel really well taken care of. It allows them to answer the questions that they might have at that point. And we also have them download the My Invisalign app and show them how to take pictures with it so they can send pictures in uh, weekly for monitoring. So let's take a look at her ClinCheck treatment plan. And you can see, again, the expansion. I haven't used attachments on her two central incisors on the top because of the way her bite is, but I've certainly put the root control type attachments that I use on her lateral incisors. And in her case, I'm going to run about a two ounce short elastic um, to help with the muscle memory and to get her to settle her bite back. And you can see uh, her molar rotating into a nice uh, interdigitation. And I don't worry about creating all those spaces because the spaces are for tooth eruption. And here you can see what I'm doing to disclude. I put attachments on the occlusal surface, but I don't fill them. And I usually have them on for about uh, uh, 12 weeks or so. So she has attachments on the lower anteriors and double deckers on top and bottom so that you have the, the height of two attachments helping disclude her teeth. So some keys here are the disclusion attachments. And again, mark your chart well if you do this, otherwise your, your assistant will fill them. And I don't typically want them filled. Um, what I do, though, uh, in cases where I use these attachments and I need the disclusion, is I will have them eat with their aligners in for the 12 weeks that those attachments are on. Uh, the reason being is every time they take them out to eat solid food, they're reinforcing that crossbite. So I tell the parents for 12 weeks, they can only have uh, beverages with their meals that are uh, white milk and water. They can have other beverages, but their aligners have to be out. And then they eat with their aligners in and um, it seems to work out fine. I have not seen an increase in cavities or caries with this. Um, the other thing is make sure if you're running rubber bands that you have fairly robust attachments to anchor the trays so that the elastics don't pull the trays out. And here are some photos of her just nine months after we started. Uh, her crossbite in the interior has been resolved. We have nice uh, extra space for erupting canines. I hope you get as excited about seeing cases like this as I do. Um, now uh, it, we hold for phase two. 
And I just saw her the other day. And you can see that she's exfoliating teeth. You can see the new arch uh, uh, width that we created and the bicuspids coming in nicely in the arch form. And again, if these primary teeth exfoliate and I have the retainers constructed where that's not an issue, um, we just hold the anterior teeth and uh, we don't uh, uh, have much hassle with it at all. So um, one of the things that you have to bear in mind when you're doing these treatments is that your phase one is 18 months. So you have 18 months in the Invisalign package to keep uh, ordering aligners if you need them. Then you have three years in your phase two. So that's why I'd like to have a period of time in there where they're wearing a retainer for a while um, so that you only start this phase two. Typically my phase twos are 12 to 18 months, but on the off chance that something's gonna take a lot longer, say you end up with a uh, trapped second molar or a slowly developing second molar. Um, I, I'd like to not start the phase two until um, I really need to. Let's talk a little bit more about the virtual care. Um, I use this a lot and I have several hundred patients enrolled in it now, and it's actually working really nicely. Um, to use virtual care, you have to opt in. Um, there'll be under support, a link called the virtual care, and you have to click on that and accept the terms and conditions. But once you do that, you'll have this uh, tab on your IDS site. Now, what that does, once a patient um, is enrolled in virtual care, and I don't have enough time in today's presentation to really dive deep into how to do that, but there's instructions on the Invisalign site on, on what to do, or you can private message me and ask, but you'll have a list of your patients that are enrolled in it. Um, it's very simple. When you start a new patient, you just invite them. They will accept it through the app and then their information will show up on this uh, list. Um, you can set the parameters for how often you want them to send you photos. It will remind them to send the photos and then you will have these images either in still shots like this or in video where you can take a look at how they're doing. Now this sure is easier for the family than leaving school early, coming to your office, trying the tray in and having somebody say, you're doing great, I'll see you again. Uh, so what I use this for is like, I, I may see them in say 12 or 16 weeks. Some cases, if they drive a long way, I might not see them for 20 weeks, but it allows me uh, weekly to keep tabs on how they're doing. And if I see anything that I don't think is going the way we planned, I can uh, do an on-demand appointment and get them in the office uh, much more quickly if we were waiting until 12 or 16 weeks for them to come in. Um, I do have a staff member screen these uh, and then they flag the ones that I should look at. 
The other cool thing is that you can customize messages that go back to the families and um, you can you can say good work, you can say, hey, happy holidays, all kinds of, you know, kind of fun things. The last case I'm going to show you uh, is a little boy that uh, was nine years old when he came in and it's another underbite. And I wanna show you another strategy uh, for this type of patient. And you can see his underbite. Okay, he actually has really nice broad arches um, and his teeth are erupting fine. We simply just have to jump this uh, uh, underbite. So he's a little bit class three skeletal, uh, but he's got this uh, overjet that we can get to end to end. So he does have a shift and he's crowded. Again, my treatment plan goals are the same and I'm gonna use class three elastics as a strategy. But in this case, I'll show you, I developed the, the ClinCheck to coordinate his arches, procline his upper anteriors, and I'm using the extrusion attachments to prevent the, um, the relative intrusion when I procline, but I actually pre-bonded composite on his primary second molars to disclude him. So that's an alternative to putting it into the plastic. For example, if you're not comfortable with the patients eating in aligners, or you don't think that the family will follow that direction. Um, it's quite simple to just put composite on the primary uh, occlusal uh, uh, tables. Now, the downside to this is that when you're done, you have to grind that off and you have to remove it. Um, but it is actually very effective. Again, you can see how much you procline the teeth by putting it on a grid and uh, the superimposition tool. So two keys, unlock the occlusion. And then if you're proclining the teeth, uh, for example, his teeth, um, I wanted to procline, but they weren't really uh, retroclined all that much. So I was worried about creating an anterior open bite as I proclined them. So propping him open and being able to use these attachments across all four anterior teeth was the advantage here, uh, propping him open. So let's look at him in eight months. You can see that his bite has jumped over and his other teeth are all erupting. We have a little bit of excess flare in his maxillary anteriors but I certainly can work at addressing that in his phase two. So I'm gonna fast forward with him. Here's him at 12 months, progress photos. And I just finished him not that long ago. So it can actually show you his case completely finished. Here's a progress Seth. We did his phase two uh, when his second molar started erupting and here are his final photos. Not too bad and I'm very happy with how it turned out. Nice big broad arch. 
Uh, we haven't had any damage really to his anterior teeth from his crossbite. His second molars are erupted and he doesn't have a bulldog bite anymore. So you may ask, how do we keep it fun for these young kids? Well, of course there's Invisalign stickables and the kids in the practice really love those. But I also use pediatric composite. Uh, if they choose, they want colored attachments. Uh, I can give them different colors. I'll let them pick one color for the top and a second color for the bottom. It's important for them to um, choose that at their scan appointment. And that makes that new patient appointment a little bit more fun as well, because we pre-fill our trays and we wanna know in advance uh, what color they're going to use. I also freehand some things uh, at the new patient appointment too. If they're really excited, they want a heart or an orange circle for a basketball or something like that. So uh, there are some little things that you can do to really engage these kiddos. So I, I hope that you know you found some tips and some pearls in the presentation today. Um, no matter where you are listening to this, I do want you to feel like we're all in this together. Don't feel uh, shy about reaching out to me if you have questions. Um, I'm pretty passionate about this and, I, and I'm happy to answer questions. Um, I'm gonna hand this back over to you, Dan. So um, if you have some questions from the audience, that would be awesome. Fantastic. Uh, Dr. Blevins, thank you so much for that excellent presentation. Certainly a different way of looking at the younger folks in our practice. Uh, we have a few questions out there and they are, um, you mentioned a white paper on the growing patients. Where do we get access to those white papers? Uh, one was in the JCO, but I do believe that Invisalign uh, uh, has different papers on their um, education site that you can look up. Wonderful. So typically Thank what you do is go under education and you can uh, scroll by faculty and it will usually have the different things that they've published listed. Oh, fabulous. Thank you very much for that. Um, simultaneous expansion. Do you simply request that in those words in your ClinCheck? Yes. Um, okay. Like I said, the default is a molar move first. And recently they actually changed it so that some anterior teeth can move when the molars move. When I did these cases, it was strictly molars move first before anteriors ever, um, ever uh, started moving. But one of the things about uh, the line uh, business is they tend to listen to their customers when they, uh, you know, get cross about things. And I, I know I sent numerous messages to people about why we can't close a, a anterior diastema while those molars are, are moving. Um, so there's not, you may be the fastest movement on the anteriors, but they do allow them to move a little bit. Fabulous. Well, thank you for making those requests. Um, how is the compliance? To so those who are not using the system, I think people might have some trepidation about giving young people aligners to wear. How, what has been your experience and, and has it been different than you thought it would be? Well, you know, um, I hesitate to say this, but I'm gonna go out on a limb and say it anyway. 
my least compliant patient population is the middle-aged female. Yeah. Okay. Fair that's that's my group. So I'm I'm you know whatever. But the kids in this age group are still rule followers. And I think when I put it in the terminology that it's like a sport and I'm the head coach and their parents are the owners of the team and they're the players. And this may be the first time they've ever had to do something for their health that they alone can do. And you have that heart to heart talk with them. 90% of them get it. And they like the idea that they're going to be my franchise player, right? And we're going to win yep. the tournament. Yeah. Do I have kiddos that are non-compliant? Absolutely. Did I have fixed appliance kiddos that were non-compliant? Absolutely. But the vast majority of them are really good. And I think part of that is really building the relationship with them from the get-go. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I noticed that you had precision cuts um, for elastics on some primary molars with no attachments on those particular teeth and some smaller attachments on the permanent molars. Have you found, I noticed you're using a tail ounce elastic. So have you found that in some cases you have to put an attachment on those teeth or just keeping the elastics so light is the secret? If you're running the elastic off the primary molar, there's typically not enough room for the slit and an attachment. So I will make sure on the teeth on either side that I have a fairly robust attachment on them. Now, how did I learn that? Trial and error, right? Um, if you ask for a slit and you, for some reason, it's pulling the tray out then I just use my snipping pliers that cuts the semicircle and I'll bond a button or a Kaplan hook. Um, the downside to that is then you have to modify all the trays. So I'll have the family leave the uh, trays with me and then come back and just swing by and pick them up a, a week later. But uh, so I'll maybe modify two of them um, and then keep the rest and give them out uh, later. But I try really hard to go with a slit because I don't want buttons and things coming off. But the good thing is if a button does come off, it's still not an emergency that they have to come in that day or in the evening or the weekend. They just simply can make an appointment and have it replaced. Right. We learned some very valuable lessons over COVID with that stuff. Yes. Okay, fabulous. Um, I just want to comment the white milk and water diet. I think I'm going to steal that. I think mm -hmm. that should be for all patients. I thought that was brilliant. Um, well, that's when they're eating with their aligners in, you know? Yeah. And um, they get it, you know? I talk about it, you know, uh, soda being acidy. And, you know, water is, you know, a pH of seven. And white milk is, is not far off that. Um, so that's why I'm comfortable with those two things. But, you know, most kids, even with the school lunch program, they, they, can, they can choose between white milk and water pretty easily. Uh, and the food I'm not quite as concerned about. Um, I do tell them, you know, if you have the opportunity to swish, uh, pop the aligners loose and swish a little bit, uh, they can go ahead and do that too. But uh, 
but it's really not been much of a factor. Fabulous. Um, to those maybe who are not using Invisalign, um, the cost of Invisalign virtual care. Yeah, um, you do have a, a lab fee, right? Um, uh, I was sorry, I, I'll rephrase my question. Um, those that are wondering about this virtual care, the cost of that is... Oh, virtual care, yes, the cost yes. is nothing. It's free with Invisalign. That's right. That's yeah, right. That's right. Um, I and and used, some people don't know that. Oh, okay. Uh, I have used some other, uh, you know, virtual monitoring uh, appliances and, and systems. Um, and a scaled practice like mine that, that has so many patients on it, uh, it did get cost prohibitive. And that's why when Invisalign came out with theirs over uh, the COVID period, um, we ended up switching. And it, it wasn't that the other one wasn't effective or wasn't good. It's just, it, it got co uh, too costly. Um, Invisalign's virtual care wasn't perfect and it's still evolving. And I think they released it early because we needed it so badly. Yeah. Um, and at, even as we speak, you know, they've been going back and forth with me because I have the largest number of patients using it how I like it, what I would do differently and, and whatnot. And I think it's going to evolve into a really nice product. Yes. Yes. I, I, I hope so. And I know that they're, they're striving to do that. They've been in yeah. touch with us about that as well. Uh, just two more questions here. Um, would you choose, um, I noticed that you had some bite ramps on the second primary molars. Would you ever choose the first permanent molars for that last case, for instance, for jumping that bite? And has there any been any uh, trouble you've run into, i.e. the patient didn't wear the aligners, eruption of the molars? Any, any advice on troubleshooting that kind of stuff? You know, um, I, I haven't uh, run into that. Uh, you know, I would be um, maybe more cautious in an open bite case with uh, extrusion of the molars. Uh, if I'm bonding the composite as a turbo to prop the bite open, I would not typically put it on the first molar. The nice thing about having it on a primary molar is that if you don't get it all off, you don't have to worry about it. The tooth right. is going to exfoliate anyway. Um, so I don't really want to, you know, compromise the anatomy of a, of a permanent first molar. Right. And, and the last question is, I noticed that you had some nice aligners with some slits. You've corrected a class three, and uh, sometimes we watch and hope it doesn't uh, relapse. Sometimes you give those patients elastics in that retention phase, and do you find that um, that helps? I always have the class three kiddos where, uh, and I'm glad you brought that up. I forgot to say it to during retention uh, to wear some elastics at night. Yes. Right. Right. I think as a profession, um, you know, I want to thank you for a, I think uh, Dr. Anthony Gianelli would be going, wow, what a way to preserve the e-space. And then, you know, the, uh, the other functional folks in the world going, wow, we can hold the bite and actually add a force into retention. Um, I want to thank you for leading maybe what we are seeing as a paradigm shift in the way we treat young folks. And it's, it's been a true honor and a pleasure uh, to speak with you, Dr. Blevins, and I, I wish you continued success. And, and the NISO family says, 
Thank you for making the NISO experience 2021 absolutely Thank you fabulous. for having me. It was quite an honor. And my yeah. only regret is we couldn't do it in person. My regret too. And hopefully you didn't see the look of consternation on my face as I was texting my wife saying, please quiet the dogs down. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay. I, didn't, I didn't notice. Okay, wonderful. But thank you. Thank you very much. And we will sign off for now. And everybody have a... Have a safe and wonderful year and stay in touch. Uh, please go to our marketplace and go visit the Align booth. And I would encourage you to uh, spread the word and uh, have folks join the AAON NISO. And you can watch Dr. Blevins on demand and get your friends to watch her too. Um, and uh, we're all in this together and let's make the profession even greater. Thank you very much, Dr. Blevins. Bye. Okay, bye-bye now.